Welcome to the first ever episode of the post game. We're very excited that you're listening. Uh, a little background on why we started it. A lot of the media that you'll see from lacrosse players might have to be beholden to shareholders. You might have to censor it a little bit and you probably can't talk about drinking as much as we will. So we wanted to start this as kind of, um, you know, I don't want to say safe space, but you know, a place where beauties can be beauties. We can talk about what goes on in between the lines after the game at bars, stuff like that. And it's kind of become a cool little culture that we've noticed um, of guys who go out and like to get after it, get a little banged up. And through that, you become uh, pretty close with a very select group of guys that we're going to highlight uh, for season one. Along the way, I became pretty good close friends with my friend Evan Malloy through Twitter. Um, you know, he's really good social presence. We like to banter. We like to shoot the shit. Evan, anything you want to add? I'm just excited to get going. I think uh, you guys will see that we really bring a different perspective from what's out there right now. Um, kind of get to know the players a little bit more on a personal level. So just really excited to bring you guys this product. Yeah. And I, and I feel like a lot of the times when guys are trying to egg people on for stories or something like that uh, in the lacrosse community, um, it, it just is a much better catalyst if you were there for half the stories. So that's, that's another thing that kind of separates us is we know most of the players and we know every player that we're going to be interviewing. So the um, any hesitations, any barriers, we can kind of egg them on and, uh, and call them out if they're, not, if they're not sharing the full entertaining story. So we're never going to have a boring episode and we're really excited to, uh, to you know, put out some of this content for you. Today's episode of the post game is brought to you by Red Truck Beef Jerky. Red Truck started because not a lot of you guys know this, but your favorite beef jerky companies, yeah, the ones that you're thinking of, source their beef from South America, China, places that aren't America, and then just slap the packaged in America logo alongside that American flag. That pissed these guys off enough to say, we're going to start our own beef jerky company that is going to do it all American from scratch, homemade, homegrown beef. We're going to source it, package it, and distribute it all through the United States company. So we're big fans of it. Not only is it a great product, but um, I've gotten to know these guys pretty well. Big fans of their work. Expect a lot of content coming from us and Red Truck Beef Jerky. Again, that's Red Truck Beef Jerky. And finally, use promo code POSTGAME15 for 15% off your first order or 15% off a yearly subscription. They got a lot of good flavors, and I'm really excited to partner with them, and I hope that you give them a chance like we have. Today on the post game, we get into lax Twitter. We have some little huddy drama splitting the game in half. We have Penny Gate, where pennies are now cutting into your 401k. Can you afford it? Can you not? Looks like they're selling. We'll get into that later. We talk about the DK Metcalf meme that I made about those pennies and it getting stolen. I'll get into that later. And we have an awesome interview with our good friend, Matt Cavanaugh, who is more of a legend than we even knew. And you guys will hear all about that in the interview later. Um, Nick, how you doing? I'm going to kick it over to you. It's been a little bit of a while. So you had a little dog injury. I don't know if you want to get into that. How's the dog doing? Yeah, his, uh, we, we had a little infected paw uh, from our buddy Moose. I'll post a picture of him for this website as well. So he's doing a lot better. Um, vets are expensive, so that's always really fucking fun. Um, now I can't afford a PLL penny, so um, no, we're uh, we're all good. He's uh, he's still trucking along. He's just about recovered. So great. Yeah. What about you? You were just complaining about the daily grind. How was work? 
Works great, man. I can't complain. You know, it's just, it's getting a little monotonous in New York City. Same thing every weekend, uh, you know, working and then just getting drunk in somebody's apartment. So I'm red hot gambling though. I will say that. Why? I, what are you playing? We, what, do I, what, do, what am I betting on? Yeah. I went eight college football and I had like a, a little bit more of a modest Sunday, but still went like five for seven. So I'm rich and I'm going to put all my money towards this podcast. I was going to say, why, why do you still have a job if you went eight? No, that just must mean you're gambling five bucks at a time. Yeah. I mean, it's like 50 to 200, depending how drunk I am. <laughs> oh, girl, good for you. Good for you. I've taken a step back. Um, I recently took the dive to step back from my nine to five, which was at Adrenaline, uh, just kind of staying on commission. And the company that we started, Clinic Sports, uh, is now my main and only source of income. Um, so, you know, commission is always here and there for the apparel industry. Apparel industry is a shit show. Um, but to have this be my only source of income, A, it's motivating. I mean, I wake up and I, I bust ass certainly a lot harder than with any other job I've had, but B, um, you know, it's nice to know that the company will live and die with every move that I make. So, you know, good amount of pressure. We'll see if I'm up to it. And yeah, if you don't hear from me for a while, just assume that everything tanked and I had to flee to Bolivia or some shit. Um, but that won't stop me from tweeting. So yeah, I mean, that's all that matters. Yeah. You got to figure out a way to make money off of that. I, yeah, one of these days I, I like will. You put up, I feel like you put up pretty good numbers. You could be a little micro influencer. <laughs> on on the platform that, that you can't monetize fucking Twitter. Um, Dude, I mean, Brands would pay you to tweet shit. All right, yeah. I'll sell out. It's better than an OnlyFans. <laughs> Allegedly. We'll see how that does. A couple weeks away from that. Oh, yeah. We'll see. Um, who is Lil Huddy, by the way? Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's a pretty good segue, actually. Speaking of making money off Twitter, we can talk about this fucking bag of milk TikToker. I don't know who Lil T- Well, I guess I do know who he is. He's a, tick- a famous TikToker, I think. Um I think there's a lot of, not animosity, but there's a lot of uh, controversy around him because I think he might be a little bit racist. Um, Actually? uh, Yeah, I think he's, uh, you know, said some no good words and some TikToks before and things like that. Uh, Not going to dive into that too much. Um, Obviously, we're not a political podcast, but uh, (laughs) if you are a part of the lacrosse world, you no doubt saw the flurry of posts from Paul Rabel and the PLL of his collab with Lil Huddy, where they are just doing some stick tricks, throwing some shots around. Did you catch the video, Nick, or are you just going into this blind? No, I mean, I, I watched most of it. I certainly watched the clips <laughs> that he posted. Um, I don't know. I, it, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I'm really excited to be a boomer at this point. Um, or, you know, whenever I have kids just to be like, you know, what the hell's going on? Cause I, I didn't really understand a, what, Lil Huddy does and how he's worth like I don't know five million dollars or something and B um I don't know like they posted it they got a bunch of shit for it which I thought was rightly yeah. if you're gonna do it with a TikTok star you got to expect shit and then getting like pretty defensive over it I just thought was an interesting move I, I didn't understand how you can be sensitive over something that you know is going to be controversial yeah I, I thought it was interesting to like everybody who was defending him or just throwing out like arbitrary like media stats like do you know how many impressions we're gonna get from this like you can't put a value on that when in reality you can't put a value on that but I mean I think it's just going back to 
I mean, Paul and I probably don't have the the best relationship. We've definitely butted heads on social media, but I think it goes back to like the image that you want for the game. And when it's, when it's so young still and, and definitely growing, you want to grow it as much as possible, but every move you make will impact how that image. Um, so, you know, I think slapping on Will Huddy, who is definitely not someone who portrays what the game is uh, in any way. I know he played, but Jesus, just look at the kid. Um, but seriously, I, I think that's kind of why people were getting pissed about it was like, who is this kid? And he's kind of like, doesn't really know what he's doing. Doesn't know anything about the game. And it's kind of just like a clout grab. Um, I mean, I get the, I get the move to try to like get some influence out there and maybe grow it a little bit. But my take is like, how many, like how many people did you really gain from like a a PLL viewing perspective? Like how many people are going to be dialed into that from doing it? And how many people did you piss off who you already had interested in the game? So I mean, that's, that's, that's my two cents. I do think the fun part about it, like, I don't think the post and the drama around that was really funny, but the funny part was definitely the replies by uh, the Ravel brothers um, just combating cyberbullying in the comments section. Yeah, there, there, was, there was one of those comments where was like, yeah, uh, like, this ain't it. And then he was like, you're not it. <laughs> it's like, all right, what are, what are we doing? And, and listen, I, like – I am all about getting in the mud on Twitter and starting shit and talking shit. But if, if I post something that I know is going to be controversial, um, which is a good amount of stuff, like you, you can't be combative and double down on it. Like that just makes it a tough look. And I like yeah. that point of, listen, I, I totally understand how you need to have impressions and engagement and all that stuff. But to your point, I would be very curious as to what the retention rate of people who saw that little Huddy video versus people who are going to tune into the PLL next year because of it. Um, I don't know. Like the, what, what was really funny though, I thought like everybody saying just taking such a hard stance and I objectively thought I was like, all right, even though I don't understand who this little Huddy is, <laughs> like, whatever, that's just something that probably, you know, you live in LA, you do shit like that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I was like, oh, this is, this is another, like, it was that Twitter beef that you were getting in about the Vineyard Vines. I was like, is this yeah. guy that we want to be partnering with? Which actually, I would like to hear a recap of that. Cause you said that you had Twitter beef with Rabel. I know what's, what it's about, but I don't know if all of our listeners do. So just a 30 second recap of your beef with Rabel. Yeah, I mean, it's basically what I've touched on a little bit already. It's it's the early goings for the PLL, which is probably lacrosse's best shot at getting, like, actually popular beyond just rich people in the Northeast. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, I'm, I want to go on record. Like, I have friends in the PLL. I love lacrosse. I, do, I definitely want it to be successful. But you see kind of these, like, cringeworthy moves that the people who are in charge make, and you, you got to gotta ask yourself, like, what's going on? So – you know, they came out with like a, they partnered with Vineyard Vines and came out with like a bunch of merchandise and it's kind of like, it's been something that lacrosse has struggled with forever is like this lax bro connotation. Like ever since Branford Winstonworth or whatever his name is came out with like fucking video, people have just like assumed that's what lacrosse players are like. Um, so, I mean, it kind of just feeds back into that. And then this is kind of like your first chance of like getting to the masses and having like this big platform and you're kind of just rolling right back into that. Cause I think it was a low hanging fruit and easy. So <laughs> I guess it's more than 30 seconds. Sorry, but no, I, vote, 
voice down on Twitter and he got really defensive as he does a lot on social media. Um, and we were just kind of going back and forth. I don't think he really saw my point. And uh, I think he had me blackballed from the, from the PLL after that. Um, yeah, I that, that's what it was. I'm yeah. Sure. I mean, I obviously would be an all-star if, if it wasn't for that Vineyard Vine tweet, but doesn't keep me up most nights, just a couple. Yeah. Well, that's a great recap. I know. Uh, I think everybody listening is known like, I'm not one to shy away from a Twitter beef. And I really started to, you know, like you beyond just liking your Twitter page. I was like, oh, this is someone who I definitely want to grab a beer with when you and Ty Zanders were going back and forth back in the day. Um, you were like, every kid from Baltimore looks like yeah. this. And he oh, got shit. super defensive about it. That was, that was one of my all-time favorites. I was, uh, I was scrolling through Twitter, <laughs> writing a blog about uh, all-time lacrosse Twitter beefs. Um, so I'll try to get a recap of that one. I'll try to get a recap of the Rables. I'm obviously going to recap me and Hartzell, but I don't know. Twitter, Twitter's, uh, you know, it's navigating a minefield. I mean, it's funny with Rabel too, because like you look at like NBA Twitter and shit like that. It's hilarious when like Kevin Durant or like Damian Lillard just will randomly reply to something. They have millions of replies. They'll just randomly reply to one person making fun of them and just like yeah. roast the shit out of them. Like, chirp them. That's funny. So I think like if you are doing it or like fucking Rambo does it, like anyone who's a player in the league who's popular, that's hilarious. But like when you're like CMO and like found, I know Rabel's kind of both, but like your founder and CEO, like whatever his position is, you can't be like chirping 12 year olds. Like that's like if Adam Silver was chirping 12 year olds, because yeah. like what the NBA bubble looked like. Now that's fucking weird and probably not that funny. And he would never do that. So like, that's kind of why it's, it, it's funny to me. It's not sort of like this player fan relationship. Like, you're the you're the head of the league like you're running the league you can't like be stooping down to these comments and like people are going to make fun of stuff like this like it's not well, you, gonna, you literally have to have like as, as weird as it sounds you can't play in the mud like because goodell will never like respond to portland yeah. do any of that stuff but you better believe that like he has people monitoring that and, like getting feedback and all this stuff that, that was kind of my take too is if you're the guy that's running the league you have to have RJ and Tyler and like the media guys handling the yeah. media. and you just continue to plug away because objectively what he does, you know, works on social media. He gets all these likes, follows this and that, but you can't dive in the mud. Like let, let the pigs play in the mud. And if you're going to be running the company and the company is trying to bring legitimacy and professionalism to the sport. And now the co-founder and CMO and everything is, is uh, yeah. Chirping 12 year olds. Right yeah. after saying anti-bullying week. <laughs> yeah, that, that's also just perfect timing. I will say, last thing I want to say about the Little Honey post is, uh, I got his Twitter up right now. <laughs> he posted the video, like tagged Rabel. Uh-huh. Has 8.5 thousand likes. <laughs> his tweet under it is, I've been trying to think of a tweet for the last 30 minutes, dot, dot, dot. Uh, what's up? And that is 22.4. <laughs> so... <laughs> Not sure how the video was received. I guess it's a decent amount of likes, but that kind of gives you a uh, an idea of where that's ranking with with this crowd. So I don't know if it was worth the backlash. Um, again, hope hope everything works out. But definitely funny to just see Lax Twitter get split in half over over a simple YouTube video. Yeah, I love how comfortable everyone's gotten too, where the slightest thing just causes the biggest outrage. I'm actually oh been, been a pretty big fan of that for a while, um, but. Either way, it's so, moving on. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say it's so funny because, like, it's only 
on Twitter, like it's probably what, like the players and then 25 people who have like, who all like follow each other and like talk about the same thing. So it's like, yeah. it's, great not, cross it's Twitter not Twitter. like NBA Twitter, like where you're going to see every take and like it takes off. Like if you say something, everyone's going to see it and you're going to get called out for it, which I think some people have learned the hard way. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can stay, this is going to, this is another, uh, Twitter beef with, with the PLL and, and the fans, it's the, the penny gate. So, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure most of the listeners, especially for this episode know, uh, what happened with the pennies. I think they're on the website for $80, which is what you can honestly get some merchandise for like the big major four sports leagues right now. Um, definitely in practice jersey, I'd assume you can get for like at least a hundred bucks. So I think people thought it was a little steep. I don't really have like a hot take on this. I also saw that I, that they're selling. I think they might've sold out of them. So, I mean, there are people to, who are willing to spend the $80, but again, like I think the funny part of this was just seeing everybody's arguments for, for and against it. Uh, I saw one guy like <laughs> he had like a eight freaking tweet, like thread of just like him explaining supply and demand economics and why it makes sense. People, people go deep into it and it's just a penny. Yeah. Well, and I don't know, I, I think the PLL does a good job of kind of under producing some of the things so that they sell out instantly. Like those retro shorts were sick. Like those, those are my favorite things that they put out. And, um, like they were received really well and sold out instantly. And then the pennies, which everybody allegedly hates sold out. And I remember seeing that um, the backyard lacrosse collab thing sold out. So at some point it's like, if you continue to sell out, you should probably just keep making more reversibles or more merch or whatever it is. But I thought it was also really interesting where it's like these practice pennies are $80 and we're going to sell them to the most affluent lacrosse fan base you know the most the most affluent base in in the entire country and nobody seemed to pick up on the idea where it's like they're gonna fucking sell it's, it's one league everybody's a huge fan of it and if you're getting really really pissed off about it um i don't know i, I don't really know what to tell you like then then don't fucking buy one yeah <laughs> just don't buy one yeah i mean i honestly think i'm i'm team pll here i i work in retail so I get the grind. I mean, if you're going to yeah. sell them as high price point as you can. Um, and it does look like most of them are out of stock, except the Redwoods penny is the only one without a stock notification. Is it actually not? Sorry to say. Everything else has the 10, 10 left in stock countdown besides Redwoods. I'm going to have to go scoop up a couple, just cloud ourselves. Yeah, out. I mean, hopefully that beef jerky sponsorship lets us buy some penny. Yeah, please. Please, God. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, Hey, Woods fans, get your, get your wallets out. Quit being stingy. Go buy a reversible and then cloud us up. You do tag us, tweet at us, all that good stuff. We'll, uh, we'll rub it in everyone's face. Um, I did want to call out Paul's lacrosse league, um, which is a hilarious Instagram handle. Oh my God. But if he's listening, which he probably is, cause he's a fucking lax rat. He stole my DK Metcalf meme of DK chasing down Buda Baker. And yep. it's Buddha, and Buddha is a normal relaxing Monday on Lag's Twitter, and then yep. Metcalf is an eighty dollar penny, and Paul's Across League stole it for for clout and posted it on Instagram, and I got no credit and nothing, which I think is a cardinal sin. I mean, 
I that also and asked for credit twice and acknowledged me. Yeah, um, that honestly, that's just a mishap on us. Next time, you just kind of got to call, like, tag me and Glazner. Um, and side note, if if you're gonna run that polls across league, you got to have the enemies on your side. And you, as much as I love you, are an enemy because of your Twitter beef with the lax elites. If they're stealing your stuff, they're going to alienate everybody. They're going to alienate the top guys because they're making fun of the Ravels and they're making fun of the PLL. And if they start going after you who's making memes about it, I mean, that's you're leaving yourself nobody that's going to be backing up your side. I did see that Rob Pinnell followed, at least followed that account for, for a good amount of time. And uh, little birdie, little inside information is there are some top executives that, uh, that do reach out to players and they're like, hey, who runs this account? What's this account's deal? And that's when I think it becomes really interesting. It's like, listen, I have always been on the side that the, the PLL will legitimize itself when there are troll accounts exactly like this one. When people are taking the time out of their day, not to be like racist pieces of shit, and like not those trolls at all, but to just sit back and chirp in the same way that NFL meme accounts shit on Goodell in the same way that, you know, NBA shits 100%. on like, MLB Twitter was killing, um, killing the whoever runs baseball. Like I know that and for fun. having the go- yeah for having the Golden Glove during the uh, election. Like I think shit like Paul's Lacrosse League and Lacrosse Exposed. You know, there's there's certainly that limit. That means that means things are going well. There was never really any MLL meme pages. So that's another thing. Listen, if you're going to be running a sports company, you got to be able to you know kind of. Uh, be okay with getting absolutely killed by meme pages and i've always said that that's a good thing and i don't know is it good or bad for the sport i mean i i agree i think it's good for the sport i don't think i mean paul's lacrosse league is really i'm I'm scrolling through right now it's really just making fun of it makes fun of lacrosse at a high level which like come on those jokes are fucking funny and it makes fun of rainbow a ton but like what are you gonna do like if you want to be, if you want to be a, like run a league and you want to be a player and it's called a spade a spade, you didn't have a great summer, like things like that, like you're going to get roasted. So, I mean, it's, it's fucking hilarious though. I'm looking at it right now. I'm laughing to myself, looking at all the posts, but none of them are like, to your point, like racist or over the line. I know lax post is definitely a little bit. That over guy the line. sucks ass. These ones I'm looking at don't, don't seem too bad. So I agree with you. I think, I think it's good for the sport. I mean, it gets people talking about it and it just like gets more out there. Well, there's that, um, I don't know, I, it, there, there are a million different ways to talk about it, but again, like, it, it's objectively good that people are caring enough to take time out of their day to, like, make memes and, and just kind of clown around it. But, you know, that's neither here nor there is it good or is it bad. I'm always on the side of good um, because it's fucking funny. And weirdly enough, I think that will kind of be like a huge catalyst to get people playing or, like, interested is – Just watch it. Just funny shit. Watch it. If you were willing to watch it, like, I don't know how many people are going to see that and be like, who the fuck is this Paul Rabel guy? I got to see what yeah. he, like, plays. But if that was to happen, like, I think this, like, I mean, the, the product of the actual game itself that the PLL is putting out is fucking sick. Like, I don't think anyone denies that. So as long as you get, like, eyeballs on it. Honestly, this summer was, like, a great example. You had, like, random, like, NHL guys who were watching it. Like, I know Cav got tweeted at by, by Biz Nasty. He's a pretty big personality and uh yeah. In, in hockey so it's just like I mean people think it's fucking cool once they see it but it's a matter of like getting the eyeballs on it so I mean anything might help 
Yeah, and I still think the the best thing that ever happened for watching the PLL was me getting in the fight with Reardon. That was like the most played clip in PLL <laughs> history still to this day. Oh, oh brag. brag. Holy media guy. Free scumbag. <laughs> but because it was a fight, everybody was like, holy shit, we got to get over and watch lacrosse if they're beating each other up. And then, oh, there aren't any fights. All right, well, that was actually a pretty entertaining game regardless. Yeah. Um, I'll say that is like, that's something that I've noticed Rabel has a little bit of like a challenge because I like, you look at the Godet shit and so many people were into that. Like it was kind of corny to me, like him just like screaming mic'd up, but honestly, like a lot of people thought it was funny and a lot of people liked it. And that definitely blew up and it caused, it it gained a lot of attention. Yeah. and, like, he's trying to get him mic'd up for the next game. And the players are like, fuck you. Like, we don't want to mic him up. Like, we're trying to win the game. And then, like, some people are like, this isn't a great reflection of the sport. Like, it, it, I do see, like, he's kind of in a hard place where he's with this little huddy thing, too. Like, he's just trying – I say little. I'm, like, I'm so old now that yeah, I can't – you're an old white dude. Don't worry uh, about But, you know what I mean? Like, you got to, like, do some of this stuff to try to get your name out there and, like, maybe take, like, a little bit of a risk. But – at the same time, like, you don't want to piss off those people. So I think that's just, like, another example of, like, showing people what they want. But I, I, I honestly feel like the game itself could could attract some people and get some people. Well, it, like, I don't know. You're always caught between a, hard, a rock and a hard place because people don't go online just to be nice and to be supportive. I mean, there are those people pretty rarely are they successful. Like, if you do something with Lil Huddy, a bunch of people are going to come out and be like, Rabel's an e-boy, Rabel's this. All right, <laughs> fuck Lil Huddy. Like, <laughs> no, totally. And it's, you know, you, you can spin it any different way you want. People selling $80 penny, people are going to come out of the woodworks and bitch. Yeah, yeah. Or if you promote fighting, they're going to bitch about the integrity of the sport. If there are no fights, they're going to say it's boring and it's not attracting new crowds. And boy, like, haven't been on Twitter long enough to know that Everything that you do, there's just going to be people that are like, yeah, actually, you know what? Fuck you. And the more time you dedicate to that, instead of just chugging along when you kind of know you're doing the right thing, like the more you fuck yourself, because then it just becomes this just consuming negativity in anything that you do. So, you know, listen, overall theme is just fucking stop given the time of day and stop like cyberbullying kids that are commenting, making fun of you for being an e-boy. Like, you got to just live with it. Yeah. But, yeah. Either way, uh, I'm pumped that this is episode one. This is going to be really fun. And I'm yeah. pumped that we got a sponsor before episode one. That's kind of huge. I feel like we just gave a lot of good takes there too. That weren't that big of jokes. Like those are some good takes. Yeah. Who knows if they're funny? I know. Um, I don't think they were that funny, but I think they're pretty insightful. If you're somehow still listening to this episode, thank you. I swear the interview is really funny. Yeah. What What do they always say? Like, like, subscribe, and, and rate. Yeah. Give us a good rating. Tweet or us. Give us an honest rating. <laughs> um, but no, nah, we uh, we got anything else? Should we send it over to uh, to Cav? Yeah, yeah, we got a great interview. We talked to him about his recruiting, uh, a little bit about his hockey career. We talked to him about knowing a couple of the Jets players, McClendon, um, and pretty much get to know him and his family a little bit better. He's, you know, Irish, traditional Irish Catholic from Long Island, so he has 55 brothers um, who are all legends of the game. And, um, no, it's, uh, it's a great interview. 
Welcome to the post game. We're very, very happy to have such a prestigious guest. Matt Cavanaugh, you know him as the All-American from Notre Dame, as the legend from Chaminade, current PLL attackman for the Redwoods, U19 Team America captain. Um, legend at hockey is, is a rumor. And all-around great guy, Beauty. Cav, welcome to the post game. Hey, Nick and Evan, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. What an honor to be uh, on your guy's show. How bad did I want to plug in the I want to plug in the outlaws as yeah, well. Yeah, went the the outlaws. Laws. You went oh, through that resume without the laws. I don't want to get heat from the Rables on mentioning an NL. <laughs> that's the that's least of my worries. <laughs> well, Cav, what's up, man? How you doing? Pretty good. Uh, long time no see, Nick. Uh, how you doing? Evan, you too. What's going on? I'm good. I know you guys have been chilling uh, a decent amount, hanging a little bit. Uh, you want to plug in this? I, so I call it CLNC, but I also heard it might be clinic. So I think we should squash the confusion on how to say it. But yeah, you guys want to get into that and what you've been doing. It is clinic. And we thought we were pretty clever, you know, just taking the vowels <laughs> out of, uh, you know, the name. So Classic marketing, cool. one, marketing 101. Yeah, take the vowels <laughs> out. It looks good. Um, we got a cool logo. But uh no, yeah, we've been uh, we've been grinding at it for um, a little bit over a year and a half now, maybe close to two years, where you know we incepted the idea. Um, but basically, just trying to you know plug into up and coming and developing uh, markets in lacrosse, and started out west, and we're going to slowly make our way east. And um, you know, Nick, myself, Brent Adams, Adam Goins, who is a former teammate of ours at Notre Dame, Connor McCullough. Um, who is also a former teammate of ours at Notre Dame. They're kind of doing some back-end legwork, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, which has been really helpful. And we also have Molly Ertle on the girls' side, uh, and we're built, slowly building that out as well. But, um, you know, so far, so good. The pandemic kind of slowed us down a little bit, I'd say, Nick. What do you yeah, think? Tiny bit. A little bit, you know, traveling and, you know, coming face-to-face -face with, with other people is kind of, you know, not ideal these days, but we're slowly yeah. slowly making our way through that and, kind of wading the waters and in, in terms of how to how to go through that but um you know we got our eyes set on a big 2021 and uh you know uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about uh what where we are right now yeah it was pretty tough to run a traveling and lacrosse business when traveling and lacrosse were illegal <laughs> so the pandemic <laughs> affected us just just a tiny bit that was the nicest way I've ever heard that put, Cap. So thank yeah. you. Totally <laughs> yeah. I just like yeah. start crying. And hey, I'm I'm just I'm trying to find the positives. Cap, you know what I just realized we never did, and I'm heartbroken now. What? It's a clinic with Steve McLendon's fucking kids. I know, um, but he's he's his kids are based out of atlanta anyway um and oh, I didn't know that. we're gonna yeah so he when he signed with the jets he just like i guess he got like an apartment or whatever um, oh yeah wait i guess background for people who don't know who steve mcclendon is unless you're a jets fan is he's the yeah. captain of the former captain of the jets d lineman heart and soul heartbeat of the team that seemingly doesn't have a heartbeat but yeah Cav, you yeah. pretty now on the bucks yeah yeah, but, uh, I, I told him. I told him. I uh, I DM'd him when he got traded um, that we're gonna we're actually gonna be in Atlanta um, in the back end, kind of the middle of December. So I told him, send send the kids and and we got them. Yeah, but that fucks me over because I was supposed to. Do it. I know. Well, maybe we get you. <laughs> how did you? Maybe we get how you, did you guys get? To, yeah, I don't know where my invite for clinic. <laughs> hey, we need a goal. We need a goal. I'm with the vowels. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it's never thrown out. 
We're not a political podcast, though. <laughs> how did how'd you get tight with McClendon? Um, you know, just the DMs, I guess. Uh, it was, <laughs> I think it was, I saw it on, like, the Explore page or something where, like, he posted something with his kids playing lacrosse or whatever. So I just, like, I gave him a follow, liked a bunch of his pics and, and shot him a DM saying, um, basically, like, just let me know if you're, ever, like, your kids are ever around New York. I'd love to work with them and teach them lacrosse. And then, you know, we just, like, slowly started talking more and more um, and then got him to a PLL game uh, down in Atlanta with his family uh, when we played the Whip Snakes. And then he came to our playoff game at Red Bull Stadium as well. And then got to meet him pregame uh, before the Jets-Browns Monday night game. Yeah, that so looked great. awesome. It was pretty sick. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. he's from the man. Did that take him rolling to the stadium? Problem? Huh? Is he going to teach your kids how to be defensive linemen? <laughs> A little trade-off? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that picture of him rolling into the stadium in the Redwoods jersey is – I know. So that was like a whole process, like – a bunch of guys kind of helped out with that. Uh, actually, in the PLO office, Christian Hensley and Tyler Steinart were big, um, getting him a jersey, like, you know, custom-made with his name and number on it and then shipped out. I was, you know, surprised that he fit into the jersey. Was I was going to say, like, I figured there had to be a custom job. Yeah. <laughs> He's a little tight on him. It's definitely tight, tight on the arm. He's yeah. looking like Greg Beast. <laughs> Um, all right. So, I mean, I guess we can get into, we're obviously going to cover off like a little bit of your come up and things like that. Give people the background story, things that they might not know about you, um, cover off some cool stuff. So I guess like the easiest question is like, how'd you really get into lacrosse when you start? I know most people probably know you're from Long Island, which is the capital lacrosse, but I don't know if you want to kind of go into that when you started and, and sort of got into the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my dad never played. He was from, he grew up in Queens and so was my mom. Um, and then, you know, I guess just like kids in town were playing and my older brother played on a team in Rockville Center, just like a PAL team. Uh, and then the first camp that I went to, like any organized type of lacrosse was Checkmate Lacrosse Camp. Did you ever go to that at the Waldorf yeah. School? Yeah, Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Yeah, epic. Gordon Purdy. Um, Actually, my claim to fame uh, out of that camp, I beat uh, Jake Ficaro in the, you know, the face-off uh, competition. Like, oh, wow. Standing. That's yeah. huge. Give, some, give Jake some shit about that. He was <laughs> the best face-off kid of all yeah, time. Yeah, he's like the best lacrosse player ever in third yeah. grade. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, just played in my town. Um, but growing up, like, I played every sport. So it, was, it wasn't, like, anything, anything new, like – I'm the worst basketball player of all time, but I played basketball growing up, soccer, uh, hockey. I never played football, though, which probably I did. Smart, probably smart, you know. <laughs> but still got some some brain cells left. But, um, yeah, I mean, lacrosse uh, wasn't really big in my family until, you know, just going to high school and playing. Uh, and, yeah, I guess, you know, freshman, sophomore year, um, you know, it was fun. It was a good time meeting new kids from Chaminade, uh, you know, outside my town. Um, a couple of good buddies of mine, do you, you know them, Evan, Walt Rooney, and Brendan DiTomaso, they went to Chaminade as well. And, uh, you know, we branched out and met some, met some cool kids as well. Um, but, you know, I didn't really have aspirations to playing college lacrosse until, until basically like 
when the season started my junior year, every, like everyone that big summer is summer uh, or sophomore year into junior year. And then you get all the recruiting letters and all that shit. Uh, September yeah. 1st. Like I didn't, I didn't play on the express. I didn't play. Like, yeah. Everyone played on FLG. Like that was like the big team then yeah. FLG 91 express or whatever, whatever it was. I was, I actually played on checkmate lacrosse club. Like, do you know, like Nick Susco? Yeah. 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 I remember that. Like the scrappiest, like weirdest. Yeah. Like, I was, I it's know. funny you say that. Cause I was saying to Nick, I was like, I don't know when Kev like got good to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, like the team your junior year time, I was fucking loaded and like yeah. sick and you had like all like Earhart and Urbank. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like, I don't know when Cav got good. So yeah. I yeah. So it was in your junior year. So like, yeah. And uh, you weren't yeah. on the scouting report really though. Just so you know. <laughs> nah, I was, I was, I was fourth attackman coming off the bench. Like, <laughs> like I was, I was like surprised I even went to tryouts cause I was in the, like I played hockey, uh, junior hockey in Long Beach and we like the Chaminade lacrosse season started in March and we were still in the playoffs. So we got knocked out of the the playoffs like the week before tryouts so if we had advanced like coach moran would like he was like on me all day every day in school being like what are you doing like are you gonna try out you got to come to tryouts if you want to be on the team all this stuff so you know kind of a blessing in disguise um going to tryouts and then it was yeah me maddie gillen and, and will himmler on attack but maddie gillen yeah maddie gillen was one of the biggest <laughs> He's my favorite players. player ever i think yeah <laughs> <laughs> me too nick think of, think of john Sosha, but with uh, like a ridiculous flag, yeah. Um, he had shorts down to his ankles and just like this little water bug running around. Yeah, he was nasty. Um, but yeah, I mean, like basically my whole grade uh, was committed um, that you know junior year, like that that fall of junior year, and I kind of hadn't really thought about it much. Um, and you know, the first this is actually a crazy story. I mean, the whole recruiting process for me was pretty, like, just, like, weird because I didn't know what the hell I was doing, like, and neither did my So, you're, like, you were the first one in your family to, like, really pursue it? Yeah, lacrosse. And um, so, Coach Tierney from Denver was the first one to reach out because – my my best friend Brendan Dismaso, his dad played for uh, for Bill Tierney like throughout like all the U.S. Team USA stuff, and he was D coordinator at Hopkins when Mr. Dito was you know winning Schmeiser awards and all that. So he got me in contact with him, and it was funny. I kind of you know broke off conversation with Coach Tierney at Denver because I basically said I was like I don't really want to fly and go to co- like go to college somewhere where I have to fly to, and ended up fucking happening anyway. So look. <laughs> You dick, but uh, probably fucking hated you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was that was you know a weird time, but that was like in the beginning of the season before anyone really saw me play, and then I went on just like random visits. I went to Hofstra with Seth Tierney, and then I went to Fairfield. We played Fairfield Prep that year, so I stayed over. Um, that was like my. Could first you year. imagine Cav at fucking Fairfield? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> So Fairfield is one with Coach Copeland. He's the fucking man. Coach Copeland was great. Um, and then Lars Tiffany. I didn't. I didn't visit Brown, but he came over for lunch. Uh, I guess he was on Long Island recruiting. Um, but yeah, and then I didn't really hear from Notre Dame until later in the spring, my junior year. Coach Byrne saw like some game film. Like I didn't even get recruited from like summer summer league or, yeah. or like the like that whole recruiting grind that it is today everyone fucking playing 
yeah. you know, three times a month for seven months going to all these recruiting departments. <laughs> it's honestly insane. Yeah. But that you're making money off of. Yeah, that we're going to Yeah, I hate it, man. Dude, like, <laughs> fuck it, why not? Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess I just wasn't like in the, you know, the, the, re- or like, you know, doing what was, you know, yeah. standard. You weren't like crazed with it. Yeah. Exactly. So when Notre Dame offered me, I was like, all right, fuck it. Like, I guess I'm hanging up the skates. Like, you're not going to really find a, a better academic and athletic school unless you like max out in juniors and fucking do all that shit. So, yeah. So I want to, I kind of want to get into that a little bit because I've like, I heard that you were good at hockey and never like really knew anything about it. So I kind of want to get into the, the hockey background and there's definitely like a Long Island rumor that you could have played at Notre Dame. And I'm guessing that's not true. Just judging off what you just said, but I mean, I, I don't like, I don't know, I guess like I stopped playing too early. Um, I don't know. My, my, my dad hypes me up. He's, he always, he's always mad <laughs> that, I didn't, that I didn't play. I picked the wrong sport. I'm making enough fucking money playing lacrosse. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like a lot of kids that I played with went on to play high level D1. Um, some good buddies of mine. Um, going into my freshman year of high school, I made the U15, uh, national development camp, which, you know, is like a feeder program to the national development team. Um, but so, yeah, I'd say you picked the wrong sport. Yeah, I picked the wrong sport. Stop. <laughs> like a bad financial decision. If not, well, he heard you were at Notre Dame. I was like, I got to drop everything. <laughs> um, no, I mean, there, there was a multiple you know, factors that led into that decision. Um, but I just felt that, you know, the best school and opportunity to play at a high level would have been at Notre Dame playing lacrosse as opposed to playing like D1 hockey, but at like, you know, kind of like a random, like shittier school, if that makes sense. Like, and, and not knocking yeah. any like other school, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know. But yeah, I mean, it's something I think about all the time and get asked a lot. Um, and and every happen. time, every time I'm hammered, I feel like I'm like, if I didn't put hockey in fifth grade, I'd be <laughs> so I can't imagine what the fuck you say. I know, I know. Um, but yeah, it's funny. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I haven't really played competitively in years. So who knows? I'm kind of kind of past that yeah. at this point, but you ever yeah. pick it up and go like beer league or anything, or you just hung up the skates for good? Um, in the, in, uh, like college in the summers, like freshman, sophomore years of college, I would play like in a men's league. Um, but like now only like pond hockey in the winter. That's still like, I've, I've only skated about three times in my whole life, but the dream is to have Logan Shuss teach me how to play ice hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It's always curious to hear why people choose one sport over the other. It sounds like the academic, like, was that a talking point? Like when coach Byrne first reached out to you, did he even have to sell you? Were you, or were you kind of just like, it's Notre Dame. Like I don't, well, I was fucking, I was just like, honestly, just shocked that they were recruiting me. And then when they told me that I got in, I was just like, you know, I was just like, all right, I'll, I'll do whatever you, I'll do whatever you want. And coach Brown was like, all right, you got to stop playing hockey. Like, we don't want you hurt. I was like, all right, all right, all right. Like, just like, <laughs> I was just like the blinders were on and I was just like all about it. Cause I don't know. It was never really a place where I had like dreamed of going. Like people like grow up dreaming about going to Notre Dame and, but you know, just realizing it like, cause I think it, I was at the point in my recruiting process where I was older and like, 
you know, going, summer going into senior year or where I had time to kind of digest like the whole situation and like right. kind of know what was for me and what was actually like a good school academically, athletically, like everything around it, as opposed to these kids, you know, these past couple of years where it's like, all right, you just grow up loving one school. You don't know anything about yeah. it. Right. Uh, and you just make like a, like a rash decision or that's why you see a lot of kids transferring and all that. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. So me in a nutshell, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I do. I agree with you. Like to, to a certain extent, like it kind of, when you, when you are at like a school like that and that you're just obsessed with, I feel like you just, you don't like appreciate it as much that you like found a match because yeah. you had it in your head the whole time. So I think it is cool when guys just like end up certain places. Like my roommate, Paul Trafari, who's a, uh, coach at Cornell like he always wanted to go to Cornell and then like switch to Q's and I feel like he thinks it's the best decision he ever made yeah like, interesting to see like guys like that who never really had a plan and just like let the process come to them yeah so I actually ended up committing um Nick I actually called coach Byrne when they were on their trip in Japan so it was after their season it was the season that they lost to Duke in the in the finals in overtime yeah. Um, and I remember watching that game. I actually watched that game with Tom Mendoza. That was the first time I met Tom Men- Mendoza. Oh, shit. A crazy year story in itself. But um, <laughs> we can get like, having that conversation with him and like getting to know him and more about Notre Dame. And then we watched that game. It was like, all right, like now I see that they're actually really fucking good at lacrosse. Like this is. This they is need great. a little help on offense. That game was like, what, 6 5? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Class. Um, Scotty Rogers getting laced with the game winner from Costaville. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> Let's run that clip. <laughs> Don't show this to Scotty. Um, yeah. Dude, but Coach Burn has one of the more unconventional because I don't know. I don't know, like, you, Evan, but have like Coach Byrne or like Notre Dame did not reach out to me until fall of my senior year and coach Byrne attended events that I was at and he chirped me for it years later and was like yeah you know I went back and looked at you know my fucking notes and I didn't have anything next to a solo um, <laughs> that's such a classic thing he would say too yeah he, I mean he sounds like every D coordinator if you had to, but. <laughs> oh, yeah and he recruited me off of high school football he was like yeah this guy's a pretty fucking good athlete I guess we can make him a cross player but he saw me play like three times that uh, summer going into senior year and didn't say shit, like didn't give me a word, didn't give me a look at all. So I don't know what like Burns recruiting method is, but it's got to be like one of the more unorthodox if he talked to you only after seeing like, you know, Long Island ball. But like, I don't know, I feel like most of the recruits are kind of done early and coach Byrne always kind of like finds the two or three stragglers and end up having a fair bit of success. That's it. That's, that's right. And Nick, I, I didn't get seen in football, but I got seen on high school tape because Jerry went to Shamanad. So yeah, uh, like that's how, that's the connection. There. That. Yeah. And like, he has good relationship with coach Moran and coach Pomponio, who's the JV coach. who's a fucking legend. And like, <laughs> I the game that he called me after after he watched like I didn't have a good game but there was like a I remember him telling me this um like and like why I was sold on him and the school just like his attitude he's just like a grinder and just like hard like hard work ethic like we want these like-minded guys like I think I got like stuffed and like Kyle Terry took the ball out of the net and I just like chased him down to midfield and he was like slashed his elbows 
So uh, I, I'm, I, yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna go on record as, as saying I was recruited as a riding attackman. So <laughs> I've played Cav like in lacrosse probably seven times total, and four of the games he's breaking somebody's elbow. At least. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's always interesting, like, I, especially not being from Long Island or the MIAA. Anytime you guys start throwing out names, I, I truly can't believe how out of the loop you guys make me feel with that. Oh yeah, you know Moran and the JV coach. That's a legend. Yeah. The Mako, the Miko, you know. And yeah, the, remember Dean Tomaso's fastest shot at checkmate camp? <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. And then Fracaro at the camp, and you know Joey Bag of Donuts was the greatest shot I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah. I remember the first time we played, like, I don't know, Georgetown or, like, that first fall ball scrimmage. It was the first time I saw, like, entire teams dap each other up. And I just felt so fucking lonely. I was like, we got it. We got to do something. Because there's, like, all the Georgetown prep guys dapping up their Georgetown prep guys. Like, all the Long Island guys dapping up the Long Island guys. And me just, like, touching my peep in the corner. <laughs> so, definitely got to work on that a little bit. You're just the camera guy for all the Instagram photo shoots. Yeah, I'm. I'm holding like people's equipment. Hey, can you hold my helmet? Like, <laughs> with my buddy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but Cav, who's the best athlete in your family? And and you got to be honest here. Not just lacrosse player. We'll get into that later. But who's the best athlete? You can say yourself. Um. Not too quick. No. Yeah. We sent you the questions beforehand, so you didn't do this. <laughs> uh, pro- I mean, lacrosse, lacrosse. Are we going lacrosse or just athlete? Well, just let's start Either. with lacrosse. Why not? We'll switch it up. Um, I, I got. I, I hate to disrespect my younger brother Pat, but I think Chris. I think my youngest brother Chris will will be. He's only he's a senior in high school now, but he's got some he's got some potential. He's really fucking good. But I'm excited to watch them play together, which will be really cool. Yeah, that's that's going to be pretty sick. Dude, who why is somebody else uh, like some random fucking sophomore in Notre Dame wearing 50? I don't know. Uh, I think my brother asking. Well, I think, I think 51. My, my brother my brother Chris I think is going to is going to wear it next year. I think he talked to the community. I yeah. saw that, and I was like, what the fuck is this? It's like some random defenseman from Jersey, rocking 50. But my sister was a good soccer player. She played D1 soccer. I, th- I, th- I would say, you know, maybe we, I'd, tell, I'd shit on my dad. i say we get uh, all of our athletic genes from my mom. She played uh, volleyball <laughs> in college. <laughs> he doesn't get too happy. Oh, yeah, I can imagine him just, you know, what a fucking mat, you know. <laughs> For those that don't know, my dad and Cav's dad are pretty much best friends and would just sit there um, and pretty much just be disappointed for most of the game. If we had a great game, oh, you should have stung that goal. And if we had a bad game, like, hey, Nick, what the fuck were you doing out there? Like, everything okay? <laughs> so, we, like, Matt and I bonded over that. Our dads bonded over that. And, um, you know, my, uh, my therapist is certainly making a killing off of it. So... <laughs> What was your uh, what was your first impression of Corrigan like first practice? Because I remember him just riding you harder than he did any of the other kids, and uh, I think it was because you were like the the like oh yeah you know we got this sick recruiting calf so Corrigan's like all right well let's see how sick he is like everybody get on the end line. Um, yeah, I think I had a, a rough um, first you know first 
team meeting, first practice, first conditioning test, first night on campus, we got arrested. Uh, <laughs> Why'd you get arrested? Don't, don't graze over that. That's what <laughs> yeah, it was like an underage drinking thing where a senior on our team fucking literally packed, it was like a clown car packed in all the freshmen and, and parked his car at a, a liquor store and <laughs> there was undercover cops. Like we pulled into the spot and then there was undercover cops like parked right there staring at <laughs> <laughs> and like he comes out of uh belmont beverage like throwing like in the windows people like they're hanging out of the window like he's throwing in little shot shooter things and like we pull out of the pull out of uh the parking lot and we get pulled over and get breathalyzed and all that shit that was our first night on campus half our team wasn't even on campus yet and our the whole freshman class was arrested uh so that's so, a good time but anyway anyway um and then our first our first team meeting, my phone was broken that summer and never returned any of his calls or, or emails. So he fucking shit on me in front of the entire team. Um, yeah. I remember that pretty well. And then besides John Kemp, I think I was the first one out on the beep test uh, that year. So didn't have a good uh, conditioning test. But um, yeah, I mean, we kind of butted heads, but I think it, it was in like a positive uh, thing. I could take it. Um, some guys, you know, kind of you know, shriveled up and, and couldn't take constructive criticism. And I knew from him, he was, you know, uh, you know, he was loud and in your face, but it was, you know, for the right reason, he wanted the, the best out of you. Like I never looked at it as like, Oh, he's like, he hates me. Like, I, I mean, love the way that you structured that though. Like, yeah, you know, I had a bad conditioning test, bad first meeting, you know, I got arrested, you know, it was just a rough day. You really snuck that in there, but yeah. Yeah, I remember being in trouble before we even were able to like have a meeting, and that was that was really fun. Yeah, sorry about that. But what was the maddest you ever made? It was there an instance that stuck out? Was it that first like couple days on campus, or was there an another time? What that like? Are like wait, what did you say? Sorry. No, that, like that you made Corrigan mad. Like was there was there an instance that stuck out? Because I always have one where it's like I was out of shape and running, and it was right as marijuana got legalized in Colorado. And like we were doing a scrimmage and it was one of those like, all right, everybody get on the end line for like a gasser. But I was already like dead tired at the start of the gasser because I just got done doing tranny work. And so I come in like dead last and he's just like, you know, what, what were you doing all, you know, fucking winter? Were you smoking weed up in Aspen? Um, and I've never been to Aspen. Yeah. Like, so got one thing wrong but was there a point that stuck out for you um not really I mean I never really like got caught up in his his mind games I guess some guys kind of got buried by it like their confidence just got shot and mm -hmm. um is he hard on everybody or is it was it just you really like he, the good players is he hard on good players and then like I'll sell he'll be nice too he kind of <laughs> picks his spots um I don't really you know I don't know. He, he kind of picks his spots, but he, he does it in like, in my case, I think he like kind of rode me and a couple of other guys pretty hard just to like make a fucking point to the team. So yeah. we didn't have to yell at every single one. Um, you know, I, I was fine with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we were always just kind of back and forth with each other, but I remember one time I got kicked out of practice. Um, it was my junior year, and I wasn't even practicing, Nick, that entire junior year. Like, my yep. junior year, I wasn't practicing. I was injured. Yep. 
and I was coming out, you know, the, the tunnel, <laughs> the tunnel at Arlotta where like we walk out for the game. Yeah, I was yeah. getting treatment with our trainer, Mandy, and I had my stick in my hand in the ball. And I would, I would like during practice that, that spring, I would just sit by at Corrigan's, uh, like stand by a side and just like go over the offense and all that shit. And I was coming, it was like just when we were going over like skeleton six on six or whatever. And I remember I had a ball and there was like a side net and I shot it and it bounced and hit the pipe and ricocheted and hit him right in the head. Oh my God. <laughs> At that point I was like 40 yards away. So I couldn't like, like I didn't say like watch out or heads up or whatever. Like I, I was just like, Oh fuck, I don't know where this ball is going. So he was like looking around asking like who the fuck was it and all that shit. And, I, and he, and he saw me laughing. So he just, <laughs> <laughs> he went off on me and kicked me out of practice. But, uh, <laughs> That was kind of that was kind of the only time that we really, really butted heads, but it was all all in good fun. Happens happens to the best of them. Do you remember a time like <laughs> what was the him look, looking around, seeing who fucking <laughs> <the ball. laughs> you know, that sounds fucking hilarious. Desco Desco probably Desco probably would have died, but <laughs> and you're laughing. Holy shit, dude! Yeah, I can't believe you're laughing, dude. Well, I, I don't I know. It landed like right on, so hard. on top of the <laughs> Yeah, I puckered up. I was like, oh, like. <laughs> and then I look and I was like, oh, thank God it was Cav and not someone who was like supposed to be paying attention to like Skeleton O because that would have been interesting. <laughs> um, do you remember a time where you made him like, the, what was like the happiest or like the most pumped you saw him? Uh, not for like a game though. Can't be like when you scored a clutch goal. Um. It can't be that. No. Um, <laughs> Too cliche. We ask the hard-hitting questions. I don't know. He knows I, about the goals, man. Talk, <laughs> about, talk about that 95 you got on that test. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He was real, really proud of me in, in school. <laughs> um, I made the all-academic probation. <laughs> uh, um, shit. I mean, I saw him <laughs> – I mean, you didn't get arrested after a game winner. Yeah, a lot of people say you have a good relationship with him um, at like when you're done, and I think that's true. Um, but I was I was back on campus watching my brother play. He was a freshman this past year, and and we caught up, and um, he was in good spirits, and it was really cool. Uh, you know, seeing it full circle because when I was a freshman, my younger brother Pat and Chris they were fucking they were coming to our remember, Nick they were coming to our parties. My parents would bring them to our parties like. <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly ridiculous um but you know being hit, seeing my brother uh in uniform and on campus playing and scoring some goals is pretty cool and we we're just like you know shooting the shit and, and laughing about it how uh how it's come full circle that is the best part about Corrigan I'll say is like how it doesn't matter what happens in those four years like the second the clocks hit zero and you're no longer like a player in his program He's one of the greatest guys just to sit and drink beer and shoot the shit with ever. And it almost caught me by surprise because we were button heads a lot senior year and especially during like graduation week, like they would schedule a team meal, but like, I just, I wouldn't go because we were <laughs> drinking and like everybody's parents were in town. So they're like catering in all this food. So I just missed a couple team meals. And I, like the second the clock hit zero and like, it's kind of a tradition that all the seniors go over and, you know, have a couple beers and hash out everything. It's like, Hey coach, remember that black guy I got from playing basketball? I actually got my ass <laughs> in the middle of the quad. <laughs> that were absolutely in the right. Um, but no, that, that always, uh, 
that always stuck out to me is how cool he was, like, like you said, coming full circle. And then the only other question that I had is, do you, did you have a first impression of me? Like, do you remember? Cause I remember just being a prick to every new incoming <laughs> freshman class. Holy shit. This kid's going to lose his hair next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. You're still keeping it alive up top, huh? Um, I don't, I honestly, I don't know, Nick. I think the first time, the first time we chilled, cause I was in Duncan and, um, you were around there that I was in Keo, like, yeah. South quad and these dorms. Yeah. These yeah. are dorms in Notre Dame. And I remember spending a full Saturday. I think it was just like, I don't think we had practice or anything yet, but it was me, you and Gilly. And we were just fucking around like all over campus, just getting drunk and going to the football game. And that was the, that was the first time I think that we chilled. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Thanks. We got a great guy after the sixth beer. <laughs> yeah. They're like Nick's real, Nick's real cool. <laughs> Go hang out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you guys probably had practice too. And you're like, I don't think we had practice. <laughs> we got, we got along. We have me and Nick had a running joke that I was his big bro. Cause I'm actually older than Nick. So. Yeah, yeah, he'd be like, yeah, like nobody messes with big bro. And Cal would be like, okay, like you said that <laughs> times. Okay, time to go to bed. But no, that's, uh, yeah, I was, I always wondered that because it's, it's funny because I have like distinct first impressions of like a shitload of people. And what was your first impression of me? I, the first impression of me was like, I remember Coach Burns sucking your dick on Twitter for like five months leading up to, to this. <laughs> Uh, semester you know he, he'd tweet out and he'd be like yo look like look at this highlight from his youth 15 america team and i'm like yeah whatever this kid's like fucking five five like how sick is he um, yeah whatever and i remember uh i remember thinking like okay he thinks he's probably so sick i'm gonna slide to him and just like kill him like welcome to the big leagues and i whiffed like so bad that Coach Byrne was like, Ocello, like, what are you doing? And, like, it was, it was one of those It was so bad that people were, like, kind of laughing, not even mad, because I was just sliding to try and kill you to, like, set the tone. And then I was like, oh, yeah, he, he dodged that slide so easily that I, I can't – I never, ever want to play against him again. Nick, um, I, think, I think my first I impression – sick at NHL the first time we ever played. Yeah, either us playing chill or – our, our literally our first practice when you didn't have a stick and just picked one up out of the fucking <laughs> stick rack <laughs> that looked like it was used to like shovel shit or something. No mesh. <laughs> didn't even need mesh. Or you just go out and you just, like, ah, fuck, did that. I remember that because it was uh, it was Eddie Lubawicki's like middle school stick that he brought like a year ago and it was just in the stick bin, and I didn't have a stick because I didn't fucking play at all over the summer. Um, so I remember like asking the locker room and it was like, all right, is this anybody's? And Lubo was like, yeah, that's mine, but you don't want to use that. And then I ended up using it for like a year and a half. It was like this gross, like turquoise. Is that the green, like that green, like Evo, <laughs> like pinched one? It was, it was gnarly. <laughs> oh, that's what I love when kids are like, what kind of head do you use? I'm like, don't, don't ask me. I don't yeah. know a fucking thing. I grabbed, I grabbed the tennis racket and, and made it work. But all right, Cav, let's uh, just get a couple more in here. I, I guess, like, a, a fan favorite would be, like, what your favorite game was. I guess we'll do your favorite college game, and then we can do your favorite professional game. Um, 
favorite college. I mean, me and Nick were, I mean, we've been playing together in the same team for seven years going on eight years now, Nick. Nick going on, we're going on nine. One, one gap year when you were a senior and I was a rookie. Yeah. Um, but, uh, favorite college game. Um, Nick actually had a sports center top 10 goal in it. The, the Notre Dame Albany game. Was oh great. yeah. 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 Nick, that yeah. was probably the sickest goal of the game, Nick. That's a good one. <laughs> you say top 10, but people forget it was also top 50 of the year. But yeah, top 50 of the year. <laughs> Slow <laughs> year. The old slip and Stop, Evan. There was a lockout yeah. for most sports, right? <laughs> yeah, that was like, yeah, everybody was on lockdown. There was a big contract negotiation. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that game, that game uh, people still bring that up to me. Um, and looking back on it, just like the atmosphere was f- like insane. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't that think that was the sickest game. I don't think Hofstra has ever been as packed as that. Yeah. And like, the there was, like, if you did the Hofstra, like the standing room only was like packed all the way to like yeah. parking lot. Um, and the only people who were rooting for our team were our parents, basically, like yeah. our small little, including me. <laughs> like, yeah, like. Including including people I knew, like friend, like friend, some some like friends. Um, they were all about uh, Albany, and you know, honestly, at that point, who wasn't like even yeah. like we would never say like we didn't want to play them, but like you never want to play a team like that who has the potential to score twenty goals and like just yeah. embarrass you every way on offense. And, and their team, everybody is- loves. They had the Thompsons. It was like. It was like this whole Native American story, and like they gave us the game and the creators' game, and they had done so much for lacrosse versus like the most traditional blue blood, blue blood like Irish Catholic. Yeah. Cool. I will say though, like in that game, you guys did not fit like sort of I guess like the Notre Dame stereotype of like like being a little bit like vanilla like that. It was really it was like fun to watch. Like, you were actually, they they if Marcelo scoring a diving backhand, you know something's fucking Yeah, they made us up. they made us play that style. Yeah. yeah. We got out we got out to a big lead in the first, I think we were up four or five nothing before they even like got a possession. And we were like, oh fuck, we're gonna we're gonna steamroll this team. And then once you know the the possession started evening out and Lyle and Miles were touching the ball and making main yeah. plays, we we're like, oh fuck. Yeah, they're fucking <laughs> we, we got ourselves a game. <laughs> <laughs> that those middies too on their team were pretty epic. Like just the most blue collar kids, like yeah. would get like eight yard step down since everybody was just shading to the Thompsons. But it was ridiculous. Like you watch some, like, some of that film, you're like, no, like why are you sliding? But it's like they could shoot it at any moment, so you have to go early. But yeah, those middies, those middies got some real some nice. Like, yeah, <laughs> probably the easiest job <laughs> in the fucking world. I'll never forget you hitting the crossbar and then just immediately going. Oh my god! This game's out of our hands. Like God truly does not want us to win this game if it's crossbar. Yeah, yeah that that was that was wild. Um, yeah, that whole fourth quarter was pretty crazy because they just kept scoring in like the most ridiculous ways in transition. Um, mm-hmm. So like we had sustained possessions, but we couldn't capitalize, and then they were just going down and like scoring like um like alley dodge you know, yeah. in transition where it was just backbreaking. Uh, but yeah, that whole, that whole uh, exchange where near shot it and say, and blaze saved it. And then I got it like right on the crease and shot it. I thought it, I thought it went in, but it hit the crossbar and it was like a perfect outlet to that. Like, yeah. Know, it him. 
yeah, it that led, kid was fucking good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was that was honestly insane. And at that point, like we were already down f- like five goals going in, like starting that comeback. But then when they scored that to go up two, I was like, all right, we're fucked. We're done. <laughs> I did not. I, at the time, I was like, hey, it was a good year. Sorry, seniors. Next year will be good. And then I, I actually, <laughs> I, I almost blew it that overtime because I was like, all right, I'm gonna dodge and it's gonna be sick. Fumble. <laughs> And then Cav goes and saves it, and I push a guy immediately in the back. <laughs> Refs are like, I really don't want to call this, so I just won't. Um, and then Cav did, like, this diet, and, like, I see it clipped, and it was on that Vine thing, and it's like, you know, it shows how to hustle for ground ball, kids. And I was like, yeah, thank God that's the narrative, not, hey, don't dodge like an asshole. <laughs> so thanks for that one. Yeah, that, that, that whole sequence was probably, like, the craziest aspect of that whole thing because it was just rolling out of bounds and then I remember diving and like kind of like hockeying it to myself and like just like fucking around with it and then like looking back like I didn't know what was going on behind me but seeing the replay of it you just clearly cross-checking the guy in the back and then the, <laughs> the refs just stand there like like play on like <laughs> <laughs> that was funny but yeah that was pretty that was pretty epic um and then scoring and overtime just like Cause we, that was my second year. Nick, you played in the final four, uh, your freshman year, but I didn't, Yeah, I wasn't on that team. So, you know, going to the final four for the first time uh, and that being the game, that was pretty fucking cool. What yeah. about pro? Do you have a favorite pro game? Um, favorite pro game. I mean, all the 4th of July games were great just in terms of atmosphere. Jack Kelly scored. That we would absolutely pump every team out in Denver, no matter like what, like when it was, but specifically, like especially on the Fourth of July. But um, I think, like, I think our last game in Denver that was that was pretty fucking cool. Um, down in Charlotte or Charleston, and uh, we beat up uh, the Rattlers pretty good. Um, and uh, and then we had a good time afterward in Folly Beach. Uh, but yeah, that was that was kind of cool because we kind of knew. We kind of knew it was our last game, yeah. Uh, and then going out with a win was pretty, pretty cool. And we had played in three championships over that time, three straight championships in the MLL. Uh, so kind of getting back, we we won my first year in 2016, lost in the finals to Ohio in 2017, and then you know finishing it off uh, with a championship was pretty cool. We kind of beat the shit out of them and. Yeah, but you blew it. I threw I threw the only behind-the-back pass I've ever thrown in the game. <laughs> Bunny the calf, and then he just sails it 15 yards over. I know. <laughs> the only <laughs> shot that I didn't score that day. <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing I, I still remember, I'm like, I just remember Joel White, like, being super weird in the elevator and being like – so it was funny because we were – like, Cav and I were roommates, and I was holding the trophy, and we were going to go drop the trophy off and then just like go pregame and then take the trophy out and we're standing in the elevator and like Joel White's just right outside that sucks literally just me and Cav and he just goes yo Cav like great game like you're such a competitor um (laughs) great you not so fucking much (laughs) (laughs) and we were already pretty buzzed at the time and I just remember looking over at Cav and we were like what like what did he just say like what the fuck was that (laughs) um but I don't know. Those were the two things that stuck out is you blowing it and then Joel chirping me. And then yeah. the rest of the night's a blur. I remember Toma being Toma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, 
I feel like the Outlaws are consensus, like, coolest team in the MLL by a mile. Yeah, 100%. Just, like, everything everything about the Outlaws was great. Um, yeah. It was, like, the That's... whole structure of the team, like, the, you know, playing in mile high, the, you know, yeah. people running the show. Uh, Tony Seaman is an absolute legend. John Cohen. And then, like, being coached by John Grant Jr., um, like, yeah. probably the and best coach. Played, you played with you guys, right? Um, my, my rookie year, he was on our team and then they, they we, uh, traded him to Ohio and then we beat them in the finals, which was ironic because we thought we were going to lose, uh, that year. <laughs> and that's why we traded him because they wanted him to, to go win a championship. And then we ended up, I bring that up to June sometimes. You're welcome, Junior. Like <laughs> he does not like talking about it. Um, he's the man though, right? Like, I yeah. mean, I don't know, I think about him, but you can just assume. He he's not only the best player that I've seen play, and he was playing when like when I saw him playing, he was fucking like forty years old. He is also one of the, he's probably the best coach that I've ever had. Like very like I think he's really smart, knows like guys' tendencies and puts them in right spots. Um, and he's just like a player's coach. He knows like the vibes in the locker room and yeah. Uh, he's, he's talking about. Oh my god, his scouting reports were the the greatest things. Like <laughs> shit on everybody because like he he had been playing for so long that he he probably had like an unbelievable game and embarrassed every defenseman in the league. So he's like, this guy like slow feet fucking sucks. Can inside <laughs> roll all day. It's like, oh, this guy trash stick. Throw one pump fake and you'll have the whole thing. And it's like, no, like that, that's a John Grant Jr. pump fake. Like mine was stupid. <laughs> Like, you can't yeah. just pretend that everybody can do the same shit that you can. Yeah. That was always my favorite part was scouting reports. I love talking to box guys and like, who, like about who the best player of all time is, and they, like, literally don't hesitate. Like, cut you off before you finish, like, junior. Yeah. They worship that guy. All right, you want to get, uh, get our segments going? Yeah, let's do it. You want to uh, let the listeners know how to play Game of Least Favorites? Yeah, so the Game of Least Favorites, uh, if you know me, I've probably played it with you at some point. But I always hate the light conversation of, hey, what's your favorite song? What's your favorite food? That's boring shit. You do not bond with people over what you like. You bond with people over a mutual dislike. Um, So we can do it in any way that we want. But the least favorite today is College Course, PLL, and uh, Bubble Meal. Sorry. So college course and PLL bubble meal. So uh, Evan, I'm going to start off with you. What was your least favorite college course? All right. So I took a course at Syracuse called the history of jazz. And like, you know how you try to just like line, like, I mean, I don't know if you guys did this, but you always try to line up like one easy A and then like you take the courses you got to take. So like some electives might be super easy. That was at least my approach. Boost the GPA. Um, but anyway, like this history of jazz class I take, and I remember like telling the Syracuse like athletic advisor that I signed up for the class, and she was like, "You should not have done that." And I was like, "Shut up!" Like it's history of jazz, like blah blah blah. This was the hardest class I have ever taken, like by a mile, and like the hardest I've ever worked, even today, like from a professional level. Like I had like fucking essays every day. The teacher fucking hated me. I think like. I honestly think he hated me because I was an athlete and I obviously like wore all my douchey athletic gear, but yeah, that's why I hate you. Inst- yeah. Didn't you guys do that? Right. Well, maybe not. Cause it was a yeah, demon. No, we did. <laughs> but yeah, I mean like I, I, he had it out for me right away. Like all got the worst grades, even when I fucking tried. And I like to think I was a pretty smart kid, but 
not only was it hard, but it was also fucking boring as shit. That's funny. You, that's funny you say that because I took a intro, like a history of jazz, uh, and it was with like a bunch of guys in my class. I Nick, I took it with like uh, Lubo, and I think Jack Sheridan was in it. Uh, Bobby Gray, and yeah. one other guy. But I remember that being an epic class. So I'm just, yeah. I'm no, I did not have a good experience. There was one kid on my team who also took it. Actually, and he wasn't. But he was. He was a legend. Um, Mike Icono. I don't know if you know him. Uh, Cap, he's a Smith Town guy. Yeah, he's a Smith Town guy. Went to Nassau and then Q's. He's a legend. Um, but he took it with me, and he probably went to like two classes. So, I, I guess I was the second least favorite. But that was definitely the worst class for me. Those history of anything classes will sneak up on yeah. you. The teachers take it super hard. Yeah. Um, probably mine i mean i i ended up dropping it it was a uh it was like they <laughs> the, the course description was like um like lord of the like lord of the rings like <laughs> harry potter like all this shit and then it was like actual like i thought we were gonna be like diving like deep into like you know medieval like science fiction like shit like that uh, it was an English course, like an English literature course, and it ended up being just like a medieval, medieval like history, like English course. So I dropped it in like <laughs> one, one class. I'm like, fuck this. I thought it was gonna be sick. And then mine was a uh, mine was a bad Philo course. Um, it was like you had Philo one on one, and then you had to take like an, an elective. And mine was existentialist themes. As my sister was a philosophy major, so I was talking to her and I was like, yeah, well, like, what's your area of expertise? Because I'm interested in that, aka, help me out here. And she was like, oh, existentialism has, like, some really cool themes, like, even though there will probably be some boring classes, like, you might like it. And the, the professor was just, like, the worst professor I've ever had in my life. Like, you, you couldn't see anything he was writing on the board, you know, 100 pages of reading a night and... You know, he had the monotone that would just put you right to sleep. Um, and I remember uh, that was the class that almost made me ineligible for my uh, for my sophomore year or for my junior year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember I missed a final because of an AM PM mix up. Um, it was like Classic. Right, and all the all the finals that day were like in the afternoon. I was like, all right, 8 p.m. So I showed up and I was like, fuck me. And I remember emailing the guy and he was like, there's nothing I can do. Sorry. See you. And I was like, I like, I showed up, I had good attendance. I couldn't understand the thing you were saying all year. I tried and, and then I blew it. So not only was it a boring class, shitty professor and, uh, and rough go there at the end. So yeah. I like your guys. I cannot PM, you got the AM PM mixed up with eight o'clock. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I had never been an 8 PM final ever. I had a 9 PM <laughs> final the next night. <laughs> no, you didn't. Shut up. I had a 9 p.m. final the next night. I remember no, that. You fucking didn't. Shut up. I swear to God. I you Shut can me, ask Brendan Lesh, my roommate. I'll fight all right. I'm still right, we'll have him we'll have him on. Um all right. Well, I mean the next topic's peel a bubble meal, which Yeah, Evan, what was your least what favorite? This one, Andy, <laughs> scumbag. Paul Rangel's tears. <laughs> uh, uh, dollar penny. Um Yeah, I don't I don't have a PLL favorite bubble meal, but um, that's because I'm blacklisted from the PLF for tweeting at Paul Rabel. So, oh, that's right. I remember that Twitter. It has nothing to do with me not being good enough. It's are you blocked? Are you banned from PLO? 
Probably. I mean, I was just being honest about the Vineyard Vine sponsorship, and next thing I know, I'm on the I'm on the blacklist. You 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 got blocked. I don't know. Uh, no, did you did you ever see his beef with Rabel, with Paul? No, no. You never mm. saw that? No. Mm. Yeah, we went at it. I kind of made fun of the PLL for being sponsored by Vineyard Vines early on, and yeah. he didn't take kindly to it. We are going to combat lacrosse stereotypes that we're rich white kids brought to you by Vineyard Vines. Thank you. And his argument was like, the NFL has a sponsorship, and I'm like, yeah, they also have a sponsorship with like Bud Light and like, <laughs> like everybody else. It's not like how you're – it's how you're opening your doors is with vineyard vines and a whale on a backwards half of a lacrosse stick. So, um, yeah, he doesn't like me. Your bubble meal was every meal salad <laughs> <laughs> with vinegar. What was it? Balsamic vinaigrette just fucking drenched on it. Like it was, it was basically the same thing almost every day. And really, um, I mean, they, they switched it up, but, um, <laughs> that's the opposite of the same thing every day. So which one was it? Well, they switched up like <laughs> fucking chicken and like, I don't even know what they'll say. What they, what they have. They fucking, it was so not memorable. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> I just remember having salad like, three weeks straight and I just wanted to fucking kill myself. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm as easy as it gets for food, so I didn't even mind most of the meals, but uh, the chicken tiki masala, I took a risk and I got it and it just gave me explosive diarrhea. So that was the worst meal for me because I was like, this might actually affect my performance. I'm not sure I can like run right now without um, a diaper. Yeah, we did a lot. We did a lot of ordering like Chick-fil-A and like shit. Oh, really? A lot, a lot of Chick-fil-A. Um, <laughs> like when we got back to the hotel, but um yeah, like the meals and, and like the pregame meals, because dude, they would have they had us at the stadium like ten hours before the fucking game. Well, we had a game. We had a a day. There was a, a day. No, dude, we would be there like seven hours before the game. Yeah, uh, and then we had one game <laughs> that actually got like canceled, but we we warmed up like three separate times. Do you remember that? Yeah, was that when the power was that when the power went out? Or yeah, was that, like a, that was different. Yeah. Was that? It was, no, there, dude, was, there was a lot of shit that went down. There was light. There was a lightning storm, and uh, that's right. And like it was windy as hell, and they're just like, "All right, it's not gonna slow down, whatever." And like we warmed up outside. We came in. They can't. They uh, shut us down for thirty minutes. We were in there for like two hours and warmed up inside in the, in the indoor facility and then we're getting ready and then they shut us down and just like pushed us to the next day and, and another uh, couple teams played. But that was one of the most frustrating like days. I mean, obviously we we're just like rolling with the punches because everyone was in it together. Like yeah. it, was, it was like, it was very well organized, but it was like, all right, you never know what's going to happen today. Type right. thing. So you got to roll with the punches. But <laughs> I remember that being like one of the most frustrated times I've ever been like in pro lacrosse, just like the whole situation and uh, just waiting around, warming up and not really knowing what was going on. That was, that was pretty fucking annoying. Yeah. But, Sounds like the bubble was great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mike Ramble's going to love to listen to that. <laughs> oh, one day, Mike. Force field, force field, not a bubble, force field. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whatever. I'm just, me and Cav are in such different spots because Cav was like, you know, what the fuck? I'm, you know, trying. And I'm just like, I'm just happy to be here. I probably would not be playing a game if it wasn't for like this bubble structure. So, like, all right, I'll fucking warm up four times. 
<laughs> I had more warm-ups in one day than I did all of last season. So that was I'm not a, I'm not a a pre-workout uh like, you know, get get going kind of guy, so I feel bad for all those guys who were fucking some guys took like four pre-workout type things. No, last thing we got is uh is senior superlatives. Evan, you got it. All right. So, senior superlatives basically will ask each guest um who in their experience in college fits these certain superlatives best. Um, that rhymed, not, un- not intentionally. Yeah, I had a girl. That might have to hit the script. But anyway, uh, the two we have today are class clown and coach's pet. So, Tab, wondering while you're at Notre Dame, who is the class clown um, on the team? My entire time there in my class, it would have to – would have to be Nick. He's at an actual stand-up comic, so um, he was definitely That's right. Plug me, bro. He was definitely class clown, and then another one of our teammates, Maddie Collins. He wasn't so much of a clown. Wow! Different He's gotten two now. Different. That was Ocello's. Yeah. So Maddie, funniest kid that's ever met him. He's you know one of the funniest guys I've ever met. Um, him and Nick have different sense, like different types of humor. I wouldn't say different sense of humor, but different. So Maddie's of- actually funny. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody likes Maddie. <laughs> uh, he's got everything outside of uh, levels and positive Friday. And yeah. <laughs> it's like the, uh, it's like water and earth. Yeah. But Maddie, Maddie was funny, but Nick actually had some good stand up bits. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, you know, our team was littered with funny guys, but those two kind of stood out. Uh, Gilly I, remember, uh, I remember I got in trouble my senior year because we voted for captains and I voted for Maddie Collins. <laughs> so he did everything like, you know, he, he was fine, like, you know, decent GPA, all this, but he was, he was not captain material. But I just remember like there would be times <laughs> I come into the locker room so pissed off and then I'd just see Maddie's face and I'd just start fucking laughing like he's that funny. And I voted for him, and I was like, yeah, no, I'm voting for Maddie Collins to be captain because he's, he's really funny and he makes me laugh. And Coach called me into his office and was like, so, Nick, like, what the fuck do you think you're voting for? Like, why are you voting for Maddie Collins? Um, and I was like, Coach, like, he's just funny. He puts me in a good mood for practice, and I'm voting for him for captain. So he's funny enough to where he got one vote for captain. And I, like – I can't say enough about how funny he is. I know that's like shitty for the pod, but where's he from? Might have to get him on the pod, honestly. Yeah, he's got freaking momentum. Kid from Bethesda. Um, no, he's a good dude. Who was your class clown? Mine. Yeah, I said Bradley Voigt. Um, he's pretty good on Twitter. Yeah, he's he's hilarious. He's like kind of the class clown the way that you like. I mean, I was older than him, so you kind of, like, pick on him, but he always, yeah. like, feeds into it. Um, but he's kind of like a fake hype man. Like, he knows he's being a jackass. He's like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like, get in your face. So, he was funny that way. You could just, like, tell him to shut the fuck up and shove him in the corner. But he was always, like, willing to, to joke around. Um, but these are just for the guests, just so you know. So, like, we don't have to give ours every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, fair, fair, fair. My bad. <laughs> um, all right, Cav. Coach's pet. Um, Corrigan, like I feel like we have to we have to eliminate Will Corrigan from it because <laughs> is that what Nick said? No, that's what I said yesterday. <laughs> I mean, if you want to say him, go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, I'm gonna go. This is gonna be an outside the box answer. He might kill me for this. But I'm gonna go with Glaze. I'm gonna go with Glaze. <laughs> Glaze, coach's pet. He was, you know, right behind GB all, you know, all four years, and he wasn't playing his first couple years, so. 
Um, you know, I don't know if it was him greasing him up and, and pumping his tires uh, those two years on scout team, but he kind of, you know, he embraced that role, but yeah, him, him and GB, you know, we're, we're super tight. So I gotta, I gotta give Glaze the teacher's pet on that one. Great. Yeah, that's a good one. He was a scout team hero his first few years. Yeah. Yeah. He was locking me up in practice. Uh, you know, I want to take credit for, you know, making Glaze oh, the defender he <laughs> is today, guarding me in practice. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> he's actually put the clamps on me in practice every day. So that's why I'm so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. All right, well, uh, what else we got? Is that about it? I mean, I, yeah, I think that's it. We pretty much uh, covered everything we wanted to. I don't know if – Kev, I don't know if you have any parting words. Oh, I got a question for you that I need your uh, thoughts on. Would you trade Sam Darnold for a first-round pick right now? Not, um, we, haven't think- locked, we haven't locked up one yet, but, like, would you trade him right now and assume that we're going to get the first pick? Uh, I mean, if – if they did part ways with him, it would all but assure the number one pick. You know, he's one of the only bright spots, but I don't think you're getting a first-round pick for him right now. I don't think his value is that high. So how are you saying he's a bright spot? I think you could if you traded him to, like, the Cowboys. Yeah, maybe. They would probably part ways with a, with a, with a first-rounder for him, but, you know. Would you do it, though, is the question. If I was the Jets, maybe, yeah. They're, yeah. They just they, – they, they, they need a lot more than, you know – like, even if they do go 0-16 and bring in Trevor Lawrence, like, they're still in the same position. They still have a shitty coach. They still have shitty uh, – uh, <laughs> they still have shitty, you know, weapons around them. Like, I don't know. Who knows? But they got some dra- They got some draft picks in a couple of these trades that they made. Jamal Adams, they got some, some return. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for the Joe Douglas era in a, in a, for a few years. Joe so. Douglas era, ho- hopefully they kind of turn the ship. But, um, you know – my energy is focused on the Rangers rebuild right now. Um, there's, a lot of re- there's a lot of rebuilding going on in New York sports right now, but I'm, yeah. I'm more focused on the blue shirts. It'll look up. Yeah, I'm pumping the blue shirts too. Laf- How do you say that guy's name? Lafreniere? I always fuck. Lafreniere. He's wearing 13, which is my number, so. And Nick. And Nick Osella. Yeah. Uh, what team do you play for where you wear 13 currently? Uh, my rec league basketball team. Oh, cool, man. Cool. <laughs> yeah, average of double-double. <laughs> um, all right, Kevin, any, any parting words here or uh send us off I, we already found no. out clinic but no this is a blast i think we were on for almost an hour that was that was a, that was a lot of fun um we'll chop yeah, it up i'm happy to you know come back on be a recurring guest and uh yeah well we'll see if we need to or just yeah just let me know let me know if you need me uh, <laughs> at any point and uh, yeah that was, that was a lot of fun you guys are on to something um and I'm excited to, to hear how this went uh, and looking forward to hearing some more episodes. Uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming Thanks on. Thanks for the kind words. All right, cool. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Post Game. We appreciate it. As always, Red Truck Beef Jerky is the sponsor. Use promo code POSTGAME15 for 15% off your Red Truck Beef Jerky order. Stay tuned for what we have in store for you next week.